What's up, y'all? It's Corbin here. Welcome to another episode of the Roundball Ramble podcast. But we're changing things up here a little bit. New year, new me, right? No. In this case, we're doing something like a new season, new me, you know? Trying to dive deeper into the game I love. And bringing the passion, bringing the excitement, the energy, a little bit of the humor, all of that, right? But really finding more of my niche and trying to figure out where that is. And, you know, we've had like a daily podcast and we might have some of that too. We've had some really fun guest stuff and that's going to happen as well. Love meeting new people, learning from them, learning the game basketball, expressing the sport we all love together. But I want to make this known that I am a huge fan of the NBA. NBA, National Basketball Association. That means the NBA, that means the WNBA. Listen, it's not quite in that same sphere in terms of the NBA lexicon, but the big three to me is professional. So that will be covered too. I am a fan of these leagues, and these are the leagues I will be covering. And so I am changing the name a little bit. It's going to be a little bit before you see it changed graphically, because, you know, that takes time, and a graphic artist, which I am not. But this will be the NBA Aficionado podcast. I was going to go NBA Sicko, but I don't know. Something a little out there, you know? Um... But yeah, the NBA Aficionado podcast will be the name of the show moving forward. Just a chance for me to fully realize who I am in this space and try to continue to work toward my goal of doing this all the time so y'all get to hear my lovely voice each and every moment of the day because I don't get tired of doing this stuff. So yeah, just wanted to show that here. Um, the NBA Aficionado podcast. If you were a listener of Ramble Ramble, thank you. If you are just joining, I appreciate the love and support, y'all. I really, really do. Thank you. Uh, on this show right now, you're going to be listening to an interview I did with Richard Liu. You can follow him on Twitter at RVL Hoops. Richard Liu is a basketball analyst who has provided scouting services for the Phoenix Suns and Chicago Bulls. Uh, he is also a writer, having published a number of books, NBA Draft Almanac, which previews the upcoming draft class, every draft class since 2017, as well as giving outlooks for teams going into the offseason, what they should do, what their cap space is, all of that. He also does the NBA Preview Almanacs, which is a version of, you know, a precursor NBA season, breaking down teams, the recent moves they've made, addition, subtractions, and a breakdown of the players on each roster, their strengths, their weaknesses, and much more. Really fun conversation with Richard. We talked about his book, um, his latest book, his other books in great detail, and then also, you know, used his his scouting uh, and consulting background to get a little bit of a, a lead on Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson after their most recent clashes in Vegas. And then we also previewed a little fun little series we'll be doing together moving forward. So definitely something to check out. A lot of excitement there. This has been a great time, y'all. I really do appreciate the growth I've been able to have and the listenership as small as it may be to me, as loyal as it is in my heart. And I really want that to grow as well as the content. I want to make it bigger and better. And, you know, any feedback I get for that is greatly appreciated. So one more time, thank you. I really do appreciate you. Uh, Support of anyone listening is as strong as my love for the game is to keep this bad boy going. Just want to do better. Just want to get better. And I hope that this is the first step in the right direction. This is now the NBA Aficionado Podcast. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy my latest interview with Mr. Richard Liu. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. I am happy to have on here with me author, scout, all-around basketball expert. He was a former basketball analyst, consultant for both Phoenix and Chicago, hailing from St. Louis. You can follow him on Twitter, at RVL Hoops. This is Richard Liu. Richard, how are you doing, sir? Uh, Doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely, man, absolutely. I'm hyped to have you on. You know, it's a sign that the NBA season is truly around the corner. 
um, just talking to you, but uh, check out his latest book, y'all. Uh, it's the 2022-2023 NBA Preview Almanac. You can find all his books on Amazon. I'll have the link in the description of this of this show. But uh, as I was about to say, Richard, whenever your almanacs come out, it's, it's time for the season to start, whether that's, you know, whether it's the offseason and your draft almanac comes out as far as the preview guide and everything, or it's the regular season with the breakdown of every player. So actually, what I want to go into, I, I brushed on it just briefly here, but you do two books a year, right? Um, and you've done that for going on, what, seven years now? Uh, yeah, I think since uh, 2017. So yeah, so, yeah, going on six. Yes, yeah. So yeah, so that's a lot. Um, and it's 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 been invaluable content. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit more here. But real quick, knowing that you put out two books a year, can you describe the process of writing your almanacs? You know, kind of a lot of different. I would say it's the same content in terms of basketball, but different in terms of like the main objective for each book. So what all goes into that? Yeah, I mean, for the, yeah, so I, it all started out with the draft book. And so it was just a, it, it originally was just kind of a way to like, you know, just put out some notes, you know, kind of some, pro, you know, just kind of stay involved in the game. And so just, and just kind of put put it out in a way that's publicly available. So um, a lot of that is, um, a lot of the early part of just kind of it, constructing it is um, just gathering notes on prospects and evaluating them. So then, you know, I can, get my information straight in terms of, you know, and then convey this to the audience. So a lot, so it's scouting and doing that, that sort of work um, early, but up, up until sort of, you know, as up until kind of the NCAA tournament. And that's when, you know, as player seasons start to end, that's where, okay, I got it. I get into um, the actual evaluations of players. And then before that, it's, you know, kind of paying attention to NBA teams over the, over the season to get a sense of where they're at. And so like, and where, where they're at and where they might go in the draft and sort of to give kind of the fan, to give people kind of a, you know, a good preview of kind of might, what might be coming kind of in the off season. So the process there is like, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit hectic because you're kind of hitting a moving target. Cause again, the NBA has a rule where you can enter and, you enter the draft and withdraw as many times as you want until the end of, you know, your college career and, or for, or, you know, internationals until they're 22. So trying to always figure out like who's in the draft is always kind of the biggest challenge. Cause you get this huge chunk of guys who are testing the waters. So, and it's been a learning process as to figure out how to navigate that as, as we've gone on. And especially, especially with 2020, 2021 or two COVID seasons kind of thrown in there so i've had to like i've had to kind of write a little more than normal than like just as the deadline comes in i'm cutting down and then all that while in some parts um as the regular season ends i'm doing the prep work to run run projections for the for the preview almanac because you know i have to run through different players and you know in anticipation of you know who's going to end up being on rosters so then you know so then when the draft book comes out in june i get small break you know just you know between that and summer league but in that time i'm kind of just running just running the basic you know just the running the project you know running projections just so i have them prepared so then at the end of summer league and then when the end of the regular, you know, when, when the activity w- window starts hitting, then you know, start to figure out, okay, who's on what team and then start to put together the preview almanac in terms of like, okay, this is what this team's going to look like and maybe what their rotation is. And then just, and then kind of going from, and then it's a, and then the preview almanac is really like from summer league to the beginning of, training camp is a little is a sprint to try to kind of put that together as kind of best as possible and this year i kind of yeah and so it's always with the changing nature of the league where you know you can get a big move at basically any time is hoping that the big move doesn't happen as close to the deadline but even still like i've had like over the course of like the last like I think two of the last three years I've had um, 
a trade go down as I was like putting an index together and trying to finalize my page count and things like that. So, you know, it's like if I can get a lull period in the activity in the activity period, I can put that together as best as possible. So a lot of a lot of work goes into this and, you know, and it's just, you know, kind of prepping things at different windows and then kind of doing analysis kind of in an doing analysis kind of in that sort of efficient period to kind of give people a better sense of what either what's going to happen in the off season or um, what's going to happen in the off season, the draft or what's going to, you know, what my, how the regular season might play out. And so that's kind of the goal of these books is, is kind of just giving people a better sense of what they might expect just based on kind of the information I analyze. Yeah. I was going to say, it's funny. You mentioned, you said two of the last three years, yeah, we just saw with this latest Almanac, um, as a Lakers fan, Lakers making a move right in between that deadline period, you know, sending Taylor Horn Tucker, Stanley Johnson um, over to Utah for Patrick Beverly. And that being a move that you even said, you put in the index, hey, didn't really account for this specific move, like Taylor Horn Tucker still with the Lakers, you know, these guys still here, but the full player evaluations were the same. But it's funny that you say that because as a writer, in a league that really never sleeps and is so transaction heavy, especially come the off season. It's like, how can I put this together in an efficient period with all the content I need, all the projections, all of that settled while also realizing that things can turn on a dime in any moment. You could have been planning for Donovan Mitchell to go the Knicks all off season long. And then now you're like, okay, how does he project with the Cavs? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, yeah, and writing these, it, it, it did it help. It, it does help um, for me to like. At at some point, I have to turn off the per- perfectionist part of my brain, where like there, it, it is kind of like I have to like. It is my normal nature to want things to be absolutely right and you know in its proper place. But then, yeah, you look at a league where yeah, this league doesn't sleep, and so, so at some point, you just have to go. Okay, this has you know this has to come out. And so I, at some point, if you put a timestamp on it and just kind of go, okay, I, I, I did what I could. Um, and that's where, you know, that's where, yeah, stuff like this, where you have to kind of make these little notes of, you know, where, you know, where players, you know, what happens kind of in the aftermath is kind of always interesting to figure out, you know, when this, ha- you know, what, when these kind of things happen. So, Absolutely. And, you know, that's something I think is really um, interesting in terms of you kind of went to your thought process being a little bit of a perfectionist, but even diving into the book, you know, you've had so many different experiences, trial and error, you know, from your first draft almanac back in 2017. I was just flipping through um, that one I have. I told you my personal library and seeing how you um, ranked one of my favorite players, Malik Monk. And you said, hey, you know, I want to see how he fits into the shot creator, you know, as a shooter in a league where he's an undersized guard, not quite a point guard. Just love your notes and analysis there. But um, before we kind of dive more deep dive into the book, I do have to ask you, you know, you've written, what, with almost two year, I want to say at least six or seven, I'd say more like seven or eight books so far. Um, Do you have a favorite one that you've done? out of all the books you've written, or do you have a fun story specific to one of those books? I'm really curious about that. Um, yeah, I think like with some of the, like a lot of, a lot of times, yeah, with the time crunch, it can be kind of you're when you're in it, it t- it's, it's kind of hard to like, you know, to step back and kind of enjoy it, but you yeah. sort of, you know, it, s- certain things kind of play out in kind of the aftermath of when it was released. And some, and one of the big things that like in going through Amazon is sometimes you just don't know, you don't really you, you don't really know what your audience is like sometimes and this is where sometimes if i get like you know i get an email to um in terms of the in terms of how someone receives it and then you get kind of a better kind of sense and so i think after the 20 the 2019 20 book i think and that was like that you know again i you know that season went on longer than normal because it like coincided with the start of the pandemic and so yeah. There was this a little. There was a little bit of doubt, as if you know, like, okay, am I going to be able to put out? And is there going to be a season after this? Are we going to do mm-hmm. this? And then, so one day, just kind of in this period where we have no sports, I get this email from um, 
uh, I get an email from a woman who had gifted the book to one of her sons. And it was just, um, it was just kind of one of the, it was kind of just one of these nice uplifting things that you get kind of in this, you know, you're kind of isolated and, you know, when, you know, during COVID and so you, yeah. you know, it's just like, yeah, I sent this to my, yeah, I sent this to my nine-year-old autistic son and he flips through it all the time and he loves it. And I was like, okay, this is like, I never, uh-huh. and this was like, I, you know, this was, you know, this was probably never, like never the intent to, to reach, you know, someone that, you know, cause yeah. I would think like the stuff I put out is a little bit, you know, kind of a little bit, you know, analytics yeah. heavy and a little bit dense. And so like to yeah. see it kind of register in that sense kind of was, you know, it was really, you know, kind of really, you know, great to hear and kind of gave me a sense of like, okay, this is like also kind of the space that I, you know, that I, that I can occupy, I occupy where I can take things that are a little, you know, harder to explain and put it in a really, put it in a, in a way that's, you know, simpler and easier to kind of digest. And so that kind of was, you know, that really stood out and kind of helped me kind of, you know, you know, kind of really kind of establish kind of what these kind of these books are about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a heartwarming story, your ability to kind of transcend. Like you said, you look at these books and I mean, they're big boys. You know what I mean? Like these books <laughs> are not your little preview magazines. Like it's a hefty book. I mean, we're there's an audio podcast, y'all, but like I'm holding one in my hand and it's it's a big one. Like I, I, I two hands, like a whopper. OK, <laughs> but like the funny thing, like you said, I mean, not only that, you know, being able to put that information, I, I definitely agree with it, making it readable. You know, it is a lot of numbers. It is a lot of projections and data heavy in that way, analytically driven. But it's also something that you can pick up, kind of flip through in a glance, understand a little bit of a player capsule on their strengths, on their weaknesses in terms of, OK, are they good on the ball? How are they shooting a three ball? How are they defensively? Like it covers that in a really cool way with a little bit of a blurb on the team as well. It's something that, you know, you don't really see a lot of that out there now. I mean, you have like a, a thing that's a Lindy's uh, Pro Basketball magazine, but that's really it on the market in terms of books like that, much less ones that can not only be there for basketball junkies like myself, but also you just, you know, that book found a new young fan who is going to kind of, you know, grow probably as a fan of that sport through a book that you wrote um and being as young as he is so that's really really cool and i see what you mean like it shows that your books can transcend and and occupy different spaces for sure so thank you for that that's a really fun story yeah absolutely um and going into your books i mean these books y'all they have a lot of content in them um i literally haven't missed a year for the last like four and a half five years but two things i've noticed one feature has always been in this book um, the other feature I think is about two years old now, but I want you to dive into two metrics of yours. Um, one is the strength. Uh, you could tell me what it all means. I know it's based after uh, the great German basketball player Detlef Schrempf, uh back in the 80s and 90s uh, with the Mavericks and the Supersonics, also the Pacers for a stretch and the Blazers at the end of his career off the top of the head. But um, you also have one called the points prevention metric. So if you could, I want you to take a little bit of time and, and share those two um, metrics and how they kind of power this book along. Yeah. So the shrimp like is the, is the name of my projection system. It's kind of mm-hmm. one of these things that like every person who kind of had a projection system in kind of sports kind of used kind of the name of a player as kind of LeBron. This, as as kind of an acronym and it's all, you know, kind of, you know, like, like an acronym. And so I think Uh like I had, I didn't really have time to think it out a little bit when I wrote the first preview almanac back like 2018, 2019, then I had like a, a year to sort of flesh it out. And I think at the same time I was like trying to like come up with the ideas. I just, in working, I often like, I often just like to have on another screen, just having something playing in the background. And I think just, I just had parks. I just coincidentally had parks and recreation just in the background and Detlef shows up like a couple of times, you know, makes a couple of appearances and then just seeing that and being in Seattle. And then, and then just in terms of the acronym, like, cause um, his last, the last two letters of his last name are PF. So like performance forecasts. And then they're just, just kind of making up, just kind of, 
finding words to create to make, it fit. to make the acronym somewhat work. I love sort it. Sort of was just it. kind of the whole thing. But the idea of it is, you know, you just take you take uh, anybody's kind of stats over you know one season, multiple seasons, kind of throw it in there, compare it against this database of every modern NBA season. And so that, and then from there you can, you can kind of project out performance in the, you know, in the next, you know, project it out in the future. Yeah. It can, you know, it's, it, it offers kind of rules of thumb that kind of largely kind of work for about like, not like, you know, like, Oh, like most of the, most of the kind of guys that are kind of like normal type of players. I mean, there are just some outliers that you're just never really going to able able to i'm never able to get to gonna to accurately capture like where you know steph is you know steph curry is the greatest shooter ever and there's really been it's hard to compare someone to a league where there's nobody like him and so it's to try it so the so, so there are times in this where you you know where the where these this like algorithm is not gonna make you know is not going to is is trying to like find bits and pieces of other players to try to make sense of it, but it doesn't quite work. But as long as you kind of know where, as long as you know, I know where kind of the hole is and kind of how to account for it. I can explain that a little bit when it, when it comes up, you know, you know, you get, you know, so, but for the most part, you know, it's like, if, you know, you look at the, you know, look at, you know, player stats and kind of project that out and then kind of in putting together, you know, and matching it to how you know rosters are put put together and maybe you know projected playing time you can also kind of see how a, you know how a team might you know what what a team's kind of performance might look like as into the coming year and over time i've you know kind of tweaked it adapted i know in this particular one it was the i i added in um just i added in box plus minus as another kind of metric to kind of to kind of um, project out and also use that to, um, you know, just use that in the kind of in in the equations to kind of measure players and teams and things like that. So that's how that one works. And then as far as points prevented, this was just something that's always kind of come come up as kind of someone who's been kind of an analyst and always kind of had the question just like how do we measure defense a little more accurately than we do now because you can get you can you know you can look at metrics that are just available and you can get just diff you can get wild differences across different you know systems where you know for example i think um one of the guys that like there was a lot of disagreement about is like is nikola Jokic, where like he led the league last year in defensive box plus minus but then there will be other metrics that have him as a bad defender and then others have him as average and so in order to sort of make sense and sort of figure out where someone like Nikola Jokic would would land on kind of the spectrum I kind of wanted to have metrics that kind of made sense in terms of how you think of how how you how you assign defensive matchups and and um, kind of use that in terms of evaluation. So points prevented is off is paired with um, degree of difficulty. So so using the matchup kind of listings on the NBA's website, I assigned kind of a strength level of every opponent. So so somebody like Luka Doncic is rated as a tougher matchup than, you know, than a spot up shooter like a Reggie Bullock or someone like that. And so the, you figure out, you know, like if, so you figure out in that, like, you know, if a defender is defending more of these top level scorers, their difficulty level is higher. And then from there is, okay, do, do you, does the defender hold their matchup um, to their average higher, or, you know, below their average or, above, you know, or do they allow more than at the player's average? And so, points prevented just as usually look it, the way to interpret it is basically this defender given a certain difficulty level usually holds their matchup to a number of points either above or below average so that's kind of so 
So and then, yeah, then depending on difficulty level, you can sort of get a sense of what their role is, what their role is and how they how they perform on the defensive end. So then you can so then. So then and so the number does like have a little bit of you, you do kind of have to interpret it a little bit because, for example, like a number if, if a guy has like zero points prevented, yeah. but they're guarding all the tough matchups, it's actually really good because they're they're holding they're you know they're they're holding really top tough you know elite level scorers to you know they're they're just kind of holding them down to either their That's average enough. or or they're slightly lower than that guys who don't have you know don't take on tough assignments it can also it can help to kind of not necessarily show that they're necessarily bad defenders it also helps to understand kind of how they're being used on the defensive end so you know it, it can you can take it can help you identify sort of guys who are really great sort of roamers like someone like Giannis or even like you know Robert Williams last year for Boston so it's you know it's when you know so how you know it's so you know it can see kind of like what these roles are in terms of okay this guy is more of an on-ball defender this guy's a roamer sometimes in the situation of you know guys who are great scorers and they need to be sort of hidden. It sort of helps to identify, okay, which guys are sort of being hidden. And then, you know, in terms of like also another element of the um, kind of degree of difficulty metrics is that um, it can, you, you can see which team you can kind of get a sense of like which teams switch a lot. Like, you know, Boston was kind of one of the, you know, just this like really switch heavy team where really they, you know, just, you know, like nobody really, Everyone, nobody really got the primary responsibility of taking on a top score because everybody sort of got their own little turn. So it added like a wrinkle if you really kind of rethink kind of the defensive player of the year part where Marcus Smart is kind of getting a lot of he, – he did actually take on the tough assignment more often than his teammates, but in terms of, you know – well, taking on tough assignments on a regular basis, he kind of didn't do that as often as some other defenders. So you get some, you get a little bit of kind of, it was kind of, you kind of see it as a situation where, you know, Boston was, you know, one of the two best defensive teams in the league and you needed to credit somebody. And so he does like, you do see in terms of like strategy, in terms of like when a team's like kind of, you know, spreading everything out, you can kind of get us, you can, you can kind of understand kind of the difficulty of kind of the you know, difficulty of kind of credit giving assigning credit in some a situation like that. So, so a lot of the times, you know, just in general, just points prevented defensive degree of difficulty. These things are not kind of, are not things you can easily sort of quantify. So I kind of want to help to quantify that, give people a better sense of kind of what goes on on the defensive side of the ball. So that's kind of, something I've just included in these in the preview almanacs. Well, I, for one, definitely think it's a worthwhile resource to have Richard. Thank you for putting it in. It does a great job explaining it. And it's a lot more nuanced to it. You know, you just described a little bit between Giannis and, 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 and how he plays defense, how the Celtics as a team do it, the context added to what makes Marcus Smart the defender that he is or is not just by the matchups he takes. So I really do think, that those are a really cool resource to have in your books. And again, I recommend folks to check out Richard's Almanacs. Catch everyone. Why not? It's still great mm-hmm. worthwhile information, really good detail. Each book is different. Obviously, each scouting book is different as to the draft class that it pertains to. But one more question real quick before we close out the book section. I've always wanted to ask you this because you, one of my favorite features in your not your preview almanacs, um, your NBA draft almanacs are your off-season type of plan of attacks. You recap the season that was, you break down the cap information, who's off the books, what kind of cap space each team could have if they pick up this option, this person opts out, whatever the case may be. But then you also do like a blur and a half for each team um, specifically pertaining to what they could do um, and what you, you like are, is recommended for them in the off season. How do you go about looking at each team in all this time and going, okay, this is where they're at. This is where they're going. These are some moves I think they can make and not really moves. You don't talk about, Oh, we need trade for this guy, but you may throw out an archetype of a player 
or say, okay, Orlando needs to focus on getting more shooting. I'm really interested in the thought process that goes into writing out these plan of attacks for all 30 teams. Yeah, this is just kind of one of those things where it's just, yeah, I just kind of wanted to give kind of like what, you know, what they might look to, what, what they might expect sort of when it comes to, you know, the draft and strategy and like targeting players. And so I kind of just look at it as kind of in just understanding all the information that pertains to the team and um, the players that they have contract situations and, you know, and the kind of things they have available to them in the off season. I kind of just kind of, this is just kind of my, I just kind of step in kind of as like a mock kind of GM sort of thing and sort of take my best kind of stab at like how I would, kind of approach it and so like just given all the information I have so then it's like you know understanding that maybe a team's like you know not great on the defensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball or maybe you know they're you know something kind of you know their lineup doesn't quite mesh with their star and so it's kind of result you know figuring out sort of the best way to you know best way to kind of kind of put the team on the right path and sort of, and realize that it's a different kind of it, you know, that every team is in their own different situation. So it's just kind of an exercise to kind of just um, see, see, you know, kind of what, you know, kind of, a you know, kind of a viable or kind of, you know, something that kind of makes sense, you know, a plan that would kind of make sense that would, that maybe, you know, fans of that team would be kind of, kind of satisfied with or you know kind of it, it would and it make kind of make sense to them to kind of go in given kind of the direction that their teams are headed you know. yeah absolutely i think it's cool uh as a lakers fan i read each one like okay what is an option because you know and that's why it was disheartening to see that this last offseason there wasn't much options and we yeah. saw what the lakers did but i thought it was funny so i definitely again y'all recommend checking out i'll have the description on this show Amazon, Richard Liu, check out his books, check out his podcast. I mean, check out his, his written work. Um, also, his website. I was about to say podcast. Check out this podcast. But check out his um, written work as well. If I remember this right, this is NBAScoutingLive.com. Yes, that's uh, one. Yeah, it's me and my brother run this. We do draft content. I serve kind of as an editor. Most of the written work is kind of with him. But we do you know, evaluate, we evaluate prospects in, you know, relevant games and kind of, you know, you can get ratings. And then there's also extra NBA content just that comes across over the season as, you know, the playoffs hit, you know, as we get trade deadline and things of that sort of nature. So yeah, it's another resource to come in and check out what, what we're doing. Absolutely. And I encourage uh, listeners to do exactly that. We're not quite finished here. We're going to we're going to move on. We got a few more things to hit real quick before we get Richard out of here. Um, We're going to kind of transcend, uh, not transcend, but transition. There you go. A little more into this regular season. We're a couple days out before the start of this new NBA season. Um, I have a burning question I need to have answered, Richard. It's just for me, my own personal, you know, throw a guy bone here. What is your insights for me on this Los Angeles Lakers team? And, like, I've read the book, so I know what you have here. Yeah. But I want to get your thoughts as you've seen preseason, as you've kind of been on Twitter. What are you thinking about this Lakers squad real quick here? I think I think they're – like, if a lot – there's a lot – there are a lot of different factors in the air just because there's, you know, the one you – know, you always have – the question of LeBron versus time is, you know, at some point is that going to catch up as he's, you know, 20-plus years in the – 20 plus years in the league. Anthony Davis has, you know, health has always kind of been an issue with him. So it's like, okay, are they going to, you know, the big, you know, are they going to be able to make it to the finish line is kind of an issue in it. And then, you know, you have a new coach, a lot of new players. So you don't know kind of how the, they're starting, you know, kind of still kind of in an experimental phase with their lineups. But I think if they kind of, you know, again, they, they, yeah, they also kind of didn't have a whole lot to work with just because, you know, the, their future, you know, their future draft picks were all kind of part of where they're all in New Orleans as part of the Anthony Davis trade and kind of they're capped out. So there wasn't much to do. But given those kind of limited kind of acquisition resources, you know, they got Pat Bev, which kind of gives them gives them a guy who can kind of shore up, you know, a guy who can soak up some tough 
matchups given you know his height you know limit you know height limitations uh, so they should be you know maybe a little bit you know they could be a little bit better defensively than in terms of just figuring out the spacing around kind of LeBron and Anthony Davis you know they should be kind of in the mix for you know playoff spot play in berth I think if they stay healthy but then again the, the, the question mark is if they're going to do that as if you know they're rotation is going to be kind of sorted out by a reasonable time. And so it's going to be kind of, you know, it's, it's still going to be kind of a fluid situation that kind of that it's a fluid situation. And then everything kind of has to break right for them to even kind of stay kind of legitimately kind of in the playoffs. So there's a little bit of like concern where things could kind of go wrong at any, you know, if someone gets hurt, someone, you know, you know, it's, people don't play kind of as well as expected. And then there's just, you know, kind of some roster construction questions just because there's a, there are a lot of small guards, some bigs. Yeah. I kind of just took a look at it. It's like, there's, you know, really, they're not a whole lot of back, like not a whole lot of wing guys on the roster. No. Yeah. yeah Pat yeah, Bev's playing a lot of that three. Yeah. But I mean, Pat Bev has that, you know, has the ability to guard bigger players, but then there's a little bit of, you know, how, you know, how, how big, you know, how tall can he, you know, how, how tall can he really play? So like, can you use him on, you know, a Jason Tatum or, you know, Luka Doncic or something, you know? It reminds me of when, um, and we saw this in the Lakers Clippers matchups in 2020, um, some 2021, but when you had the Lakers attempt to guard the Clippers, it was always hard with two big wings and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the Lakers playing defensively stout, but undersized players in Contavious Caldwell. Yeah, and then it just and Alex Caruso. Yeah, like, and then it just comes back to like yeah, scheme and how they sort of. And then you have mm-hmm. you have you have Darvin Ham, who's a first time head coach, so it's you know trying to kind of go through this kind of you know period, and so a lot needs to go right, and yeah. there is also the potential that things could go wrong so it's a, so they're wrong. kind of a wild card kind of team kind of in that sense where mm-hmm. a, there's a bit of a range as to where they could wind could up fall. this season very true i appreciate the insight i was just i'm like i said we're hoping for a championship team can't sugarcoat it this don't look like one right now but you know maybe things can change um but richard i mean now we can kind of move into what we i mean i skipped the big question um last week we had an absolute treat we had two matchups you know, projected number one, number two picks, um, Victor Wiminyama and Scoot Henderson. Uh, with your background in scouting, what takeaways did you get from those two players after both games? We know that Scoot left so early in the second game that he really yeah. only played one, but I kind of want to get that. Um, what I might do, I have, some, I have a bunch of other questions, but we are running short on time, so I'm going to save a chunk of these NBA questions for while we're in the season. We'll, we'll tease yeah. what we're going to be doing later here, but I want to get your take on, on Victor and Scoot because – like I said, you have extensive scouting background and, you know, you do a lot of this in your work already. Yeah, I mean, already just because, you know, just the early part of the season. I mean, these two, like, these two were, you know, kind of mentioned as the top two picks and they, you know, pretty much solidified that status. And then Victor Wembanyama is probably, you know, like, just in this kind of showcase with, like, and with under NBA rules and against – you know, guys that, you know, some guys that have played in the league and guys who are going to be first, you know, guys who are going to be high draft picks, just, you know, kind of set himself apart in this draft. And then just, I mean, the potential is just kind of, is just crazy. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm already kind of going like mentally kind of going through my past history and just kind of going, okay, this is, he's already kind of among like, the two or three best prospects I've ever seen. And that's just conservative, like caution. And I'm usually a very cautious kind of grader. I'm very, so like the scale I I use in the um, books is a 20 to 80 scale. It's very similar to what they use in baseball. And I do not, I very rare, I, I very rarely give out the 70 level grades. I probably I've, I most recently gave Zion Williamson a 70, you know, 75, meaning like this is like top tier. Almost, this is top, like top tier, like, you know, like potential MVP 
level, you know, level prospect. And, yeah. and so like, you know, I started doing this like 2006, 2000, you know, 2006, 2007. So the other, other, the only other 75 I've given is to Kevin Durant. Wow. And so now I'm like, now I'm like, if I'm getting into that, like, okay, I'm hitting, you know, I'm in Durant. I'm in, I'm like, Wembenyama is in that Durant tier. And I'm now my question is like, now my question over the course of this and seeing a guy who's seven, you know, who can do very similar things, but not maybe not at quite the efficiency level given his stats in France, but um, who's doing, who's touching on, on kind of elements of the Durant game, but he's at seven five and with his athleticism level and is, and, and, you know, athleticism, some level and then also kind of you're just kind of considering the way the league's going you, you know the floor is just the floor is high where if he's just you know one of the top two rim runners in the league and just a guy who can you know rotate from anywhere and block shots that's just you know that's at worst you know um upper tier like upper tier almost like like that's you know close to an all-star level player, even he just had kind of has bare minimum, you know, just at, you know, the skills developed to the baseline where, so now if you're talking, you know, if all these other skills come in, where his hand, you know, about his handle, if the shooting even progresses to the point where he's, you know, where he's, you know, even just like not, you know, not even, you know, he doesn't have to be a 40% three point shooter, but if he's like 37, 38 plus, Mm -hmm all is all of his ability to attack the rim and then you know kind of mix in with some you know kind of you know mid-range post-up kind of things and then you know the defensive potential you're you know this is like this is kind of this rare combination that you can kind of see you know you can just kind of easily kind of slot him into the top and you know kind of let the kind of let the imagination kind of run wild on that mm-hmm. you know, in terms of his potential, then doesn't mean that, you know, then yeah, Scoot Henderson, you know, on, on you know, as you know, the second, you know, is really good prospect on his own, just you know, yeah. in terms where, you know, he was productive, you know, last year when he kind of, kind of showed, you know, when he kind of entered the G league kind of, kind of midway through the season, he had some big scoring, you know, he's a, big scoring games, you know, showcased, you know, some really explosive athleticism. And then kind of in this game, you, you know, kind of, he showed, you know, kind of that he kind of shored up a li- some, some kind of, you know, some weaknesses to, to, to a degree, you know, like, I think, you know, kind of in, you know, kind of in the early going last, um, last season, you know, he was kind of really, he was really more of kind of like, you know, like more of a scoring guard where he took kind of that heavy kind of, you know, he was just, he was kind of mostly looking to just kind of like beat his man one-on-one kind of, you know, get buckets and things of that nature. And then, you know, he was, his shot kind of wasn't, well, you know, he wasn't totally efficient kind of as a shooter. And then, you know, defensively there, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit, there, you know, a little bit of, que- you know, some question marks, but, you know, over, over time, you know, you saw, you know, better playmaking. He was making, he was, you know, he was, making shot is that he was making more outside shots in that for, you know, the first game that he was, you know, health yeah, that he kind of made it through healthy. And then the def- uh, yeah, I was kind of impressed by the defensive, the, his defensive effort and his ability to kind of pressure the ball and kind of pressure the ball and kind of play on that end. And yeah, kind of, and then just his overall, just kind of intensity, his intensity level and kind of, you know, kind of engage, you know, in, engagement and kind, kind of, kind of an, on, Kind of just in how he, you know, how hard he kind of plays on, you know, on a kind of on a how hard he plays and how hard he competes, you know, kind of just kind of, you know, really shows, you know, he's going to be kind of, you know, he has the potential to be a really be like, you know, be kind of one, you know, kind of another one of these kind of great, you know, kind of productive kind of guards in the league. So, yeah, I did kind of run, you know, I did kind of loosely kind of run kind of you know, some projection, you know, like into the, dra- into my draft system kind of for both guys. And yeah, Victor Wimbanyama, there's no, there's really just like, no, nobody's really similar, but like the one, the name that did come up, like 
at the top of the list, although the similarity score was not super high, was Durant. And then um, the system knew a little bit more what to do with Scoot Henderson. So you had a lot, you know, I think something like um, a quarter to 30% of the comps were guys that eventually made all-star teams, which is pretty high for what I, what, what the data I get. And one of the names that popped up was Westbrook. So, and then, and, and, and in watching, you kind of gave off kind of some of, you kind of gave off some of those impressions with the uh, kind of his intensity level and kind of the way he kind of with his explosiveness, you know, as an athlete and kind of the way he kind of, you know, penetrates to the, you know, penetrates and kind of kicks the ball out. You can kind of see pieces of that kind of in his game. So the overall kind of, this was kind of a pretty, you know, impressive kind of showing them for both of those guys, you know, in this game. So it'll be you know, good to see, you know, how they kind of project over the court, how they kind of continue to play over the course of the season where Wembenyama is playing with, you know, playing kind of on a team coached by um, Vincent Collet, who's the French national team coach. So, so it should be kind of in good hands there. And then the G League Ignite is actually going to go through a full schedule. And so he'll, you know, we'll have a whole season to season kind of of Scoot Henderson and some of the other guys like Leonard Miller and Leonard Miller on G League Ignite going up, going up against NBA level players. So this should, so it should be an interesting draft cycle. I'm absolutely excited for this draft cycle. Like you said, the race at number one doesn't feel like a race at all, right? Victor, right? The race for number two doesn't feel like a race at all either. Scoot, you just brought it up. But the race for three, all the way down, that's exciting to me. And I'm really pumped to to really do a lot more deep diving. I feel like I've been stepping more into the draft kind of game um, more and more and trying to understand the process and mock drafts and things of that nature. And so I'm really pumped for that. Um, and excited, you know, to, to learn more um, about all this and, and to kind of see my own processes adapt and improve over time. Uh, speaking of that, you know, as we close out here, last thing I'm going to run by you here, Richard, you know, we brought up Wimanyama. We brought up Scoot. But the NBA season is here. We already talked about my Lakers for a little bit. There are going to be a few other teams that are not going to be NBA contenders that aren't even going to be where the Lakers are, playing hopefuls in that in that path. No. There's going to be a bunch of teams that are going to be in the race for the win of Wimbanyama. And I have the Jazz, the Spurs, the Hornets, the Magic, and the Thunder. I want to share, I think you have similar teams. I want to see if you have those teams as well. But also, since we're speaking of these teams at the bottom, I want to give you the honors, Richard, of sharing the new series that we'll be doing here together soon. Yeah, so the series we're going to be doing over the course of this season is, yeah, it's basically it's called Tank Watch. It's kind of an it's kind of a look at the league, kind of in kind of a in kind of an inverse, kind of backward sense. And you know, most of the time we talk about the NBA, we're talking about who's going forward, who's trying to win championships, and then we have these this interesting situation because you know, kind of the way kind of the league works as a strong link kind of sport is kind of you know, if you don't you know in order to get into the conversation to uh, to possibly win a championship you need one of the 10 best players in the league mm-hmm. and if you don't have one of those 10 then you have to sort of find a way to get one and oftentimes that results in losing going to the top of the draft because that's usually where these got you know these guys are found and so this is just kind of an un- this is this could be an unprecedented kind of situation where everybody's gunning for this gun gunning for somebody like Wembenyama who could be a really special process. So we're doing a series called tank watch where we're kind of exploring kind of what is going to happen and what's happening in this race to race to the bottom of the league. So, you know, it could be, we could be getting some really strange trades. We could be, Teams are going to be playing some funky lineups. People are going to be getting tendonitis and body parts we never knew existed. I mean, yeah. these are this is going to be kind of a interesting situation, and just kind of seeing how this all plays out is something that, um, yeah, me and Corbin are going to do and kind of bring to you guys. So, 
I'm so excited, Richard. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, just catching the trends, you know, and also you brought this out too. You know, we're looking at players on these teams that may be playing really well, that may, you know, they're obviously not going to be a future star for the team because they were. These teams would be playing to tank this hard, but they could be the next solid little, you know, Mario Chalmers around the big three. You know what I mean? Or, or that little core piece, that core little ancillary ancillary role player among the next big star, you know, that diamond in the rough. So it's going to be fun to identify all these trends, these players. And like you said, a lot of the fun uh, fun stuff as well is going to be involved in, in looking at these teams toward the bottom. So definitely, y'all, make sure to catch that. We'll be putting this out. I mean, our first episode is probably going to be like a month from now because um, you got to get those teams first. Got to get a little bit of a sample size for each team to kind of get, you know, a little bit of where we're getting at in terms of the race for the bottom. But once we do, um, Richard and I will get that first episode out. It's going to be a lot of fun um, doing this series with you, Richard. I'm excited to really get along this process and learn from you as we watch these games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, just, yeah, watch out for that. And, yeah, we'll be doing this over the course of the season, so. Absolutely. I'm pumped. Uh, Richard, man, thank you again for your time. We'll have you on more. So there's so much more I want to ask you. And you know what? We have a whole series we're going to be doing. So I have plenty of time to ask you that in the future. Have you on as a guest for future shows. Um, I know folks can follow you on Twitter at RVL Hoops. Definitely check out your books on Amazon and check out NBA Scouting Live. Is there anything you have going on the pipeline? You just put out a book, so we might be you know, taking a break. Yeah, then every... And then periodically, just over the, you know, in the time kind of in this early part of the season, um, I do have a sub stack. Um, oh, so, okay. so I do have a sub stack where I'll put out some, you know, kind of, you know, articles based on things that I just kind of have on my mind. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, the link, yeah, it's just my name, richardlew.substack.com. Yeah, it's called, yeah, the newsletter is called the addendum. And so it's just kind of like additional kind of pieces that kind of go along with, you know, that, that are just basically things that are going on in my mind, you know, just some of, a lot of them are probably going to be related to basketball, but some of them are, you know, pop culture and other things that are kind of on my mind. So yeah. Yeah. That's another link to go along with, you know, Twitter feed, Twitter feed, Amazon, NBA scouting live. That's where you can find me. Okay. Hey, man, I, I'm going to check it out. Pop culture, you speaking my language, shooting this in the basketball. So I'm going to look into that. <laughs> definitely. Well, Richard, it's been an honor having you on again. Thank you, man. I definitely look forward to working with you in the future here. And, um, yeah, you already know you're welcome anytime. So thank you for your time. No problem. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. Always, always. All right, y'all. Well, that's going to do it here uh, for us on this show. Listen, make sure to stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more coming uh nba season right around the corner got some big surprises for you in terms of nba content that i'll be doing not only will i be doing a richard but just a lot more of a deep dive focus into the season um some historical stuff as well really want to go deep into this and 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 share that fandom and love with y'all so definitely make sure to stay tuned for all of that on my twitter you can follow me there at corbin nba but until next until next time y'all uh for richard for myself we are frosty y'all stay frosty and we will talk to y'all real real soon